Hey guys, I'm Young, a full-time dad and a full-time professional with the goal to become the best parent possible. The Girl Dad Show is my journey interviewing fellow working parents aspiring to be both good at work and parenting. I'm going to do this by gathering and sharing unfiltered perspectives from my guests. So join me as I research parenthood one interview at a time. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. I really, really appreciate it. It is awesome to see you again, Young. <laughs> so fun that we get to do this in this context. And I'm like really, really grateful for you spending the time. I know how incredibly busy you are and how busy you are and also just like how valuable your time is. And so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about parenting. Oh my gosh. Yes, my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of fun too because you're so famous for marketing and your accomplishments and your communication skills and your writing skills and all these things that are in the workplace. But I have to apologize that I will ask some of those questions. But today, I'd love to actually share with our listeners more about how you balance that with personal life here. So no, I love I love the topic of parenting now that I'm done with it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just jump right into it. If you don't mind, I'd love for you to share with the listeners here what you do for a living. So I run a small marketing strategy consulting company called Cunningham Collective, and we focus primarily on positioning companies that uh, use technology to deliver their product or service. It's amazing. And what are some of the big projects that you're working on right now? Oh, my gosh. Well, we just we just got hired to work with a really big IT services and digital transformation consulting company that that's really huge in the hundreds of millions of dollars based wow. in Ukraine. Wow. So going to be really fun. That's awesome. We're, yeah, we're doing some cool work with some HR oriented companies and a semiconductor company. I really I am one of these weird nerds that loves semiconductors. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean I have to kind of break the mold of my normal interviews with you because there's so much depth and context into your professional career. So I, I'd love to kind of go back and I know you probably have to tell the story all the time, but I'd still love to hear it a little bit. Do you mind sharing with the listeners some of the major milestones, especially your time around Apple? Sure. So I was really, really lucky in the early 80s to come out to Silicon Valley for a job at a very famous PR agency at the time called Regis McKenna. And I was hired to run the Apple account for the launch of the Macintosh. So it was just an amazing time in history. And I got to spend the next two years until Steve got fired from Apple, working super closely with Steve Jobs. And then when he did get fired, he ended up hiring me again to help him launch Next and also Pixar. So I got to work with him again for another two or three years. I, and I got fired several times. <laughs> a time. So it wasn't a, smooth, a whole smooth thing, but I learned so much about marketing and about strategy and about quality from Steve. It really formed my entire career. Yeah, it's amazing that just the experiences that you've had was just phenomenal. And I think the Apple story is obviously like super significant because Steve is such a big marker in the world. And Apple's obviously continues to be a huge marker in the world. And it's so amazing to like know that you were such an integral part in building building that up and, and getting its notoriety. But it's not actually the only like you've you've worked with everybody. And I think it's really important that everyone understands that that how successful you've been and the ability to navigate that with parenting because you do parenting in a very unique way. And you're probably the uh, 
prime example of mixing the two things together and uh, and still being successful. And so uh, just for the listeners, and I'll just say it so it's a little bit quicker, but Andy's literally worked with everybody from the, the original OG, like Silicon Valley of Apple, Cisco, that whole era to all the newfangled ones, the SaaS softwares, and then now continue to work with all the newer ones coming out today. So it's amazing the amount of companies you've been able to work with and help build up and position them to success. Thank you, Young. I, I actually think that my, my portfolio of former clients is in the thousands. So yeah, I've done a lot of work with a lot of a lot of different technologies. And as I said, I, I am one of the few people who think that the semiconductor, which made all of this possible for everybody, that's right. that's uh, to right. me has a very special place in my heart because it was here first in Silicon Valley. That's why Silicon Valley is called Silicon Valley. That's right. It is the epicenter of what you can, what we can all do digitally today. So anyway, I'm a little it's bit amazing. Here. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I think it's important that everyone has context that like, this is possible to also do it the way that you're doing parenting, navigate a successful career and also be a good parent because that's what the whole podcast is for me, Andy. It's just me exploring how to be the best dad I can possibly be. And just like anything that you're trying to learn a new skill in, a good first step is to just research and just understand how other people are doing it, right? And so for yeah. me, a big for a big impetus for doing this podcast is research. And I'm hoping that my research will help other people learn as well too. But that being said, tell me about your kids. <laughs> well, this is also an unusual situation because you know my kids very well. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, I have a, an almost 30-year-old daughter named McKinley and a 25-year-old son named Cormac. So I'm kind of over the, the worst of parenting. <laughs> and now yeah. I'm the best part of parenting. <laughs> yeah. What do you think that transition is? Well, what, they, are you, what are you referencing? Are you talking about like having to like guide them to being their friend? Is that kind of what you're referencing? Okay. Or? Yes, exactly. You're, you're responsible for their health and safety for a long time. And then they get to a point where they become responsible for their health and safety. And that's just a beautiful moment. And if you did a good job... <laughs> on your part of that bargain, then they typically will do a good job on their part of the bargain. So that's where I am. I'm on the other side of the health and safety responsibility curve. I love that. That's a really interesting way of breaking that down. I mean, it's a much more macro view of how I'm looking at it, but that's probably because I'm, I'm at the, the early stage. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. So I do have a, a question around your childhood, if you don't mind sharing, because I've noticed as I've become a new dad and a young dad, I'm like realizing that so much of my parenting ideology and values is coming from my parents. And so before we kind of talk about your parenting concepts, values and style, like I'd love to hear about your childhood. How did you grow up? What were your parents like? I am the oldest of three children and my childhood was really not that great. I tried to create a different situation for my kids, but I grew up in an alcoholic family. My father was an alcoholic and my mother was a kind of a victim person. And it was very difficult. It was very difficult. And I wanted to get out as soon as I possibly could. I grew up outside of Chicago in a little suburb called Villa Park. But I, as I said, I wanted to get out as soon as I could. But I will say one amazing thing about my parents is they, they gave us, the three of us, the notion that you could be anything or do anything that you wanted to do in the world. And there was great potential and possibility always in front of me because of my parents, and I will always be grateful to them for that. But the road to get there was a little challenging given the, the internal dynamics of the family. 
But that idea that you could do anything and be anything was all given to me as a gift from them. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Andy. And I, I, I didn't know that about you. And I, it's so far, far from what I, I just imagined you would say to that answer. And so thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. You've literally done the most unique thing, in my opinion, as it relates to parenting. It sounds like what you've taken from your childhood is like identified what you didn't like and, and what you did like and you kind of merge it together now that I kind of yeah. hear the context. Because what you've done is basically bring your family life into your business. You have a family business. Yes, now I do. I didn't for years. I That just shocked me that my kids ended up working for me because I, I started my business eight years before. No, maybe, maybe even more than that. Eight years before I had children. So I, I've been in, an entrepreneur and doing my own thing. For a long, long time. And of course, like any parent, you pretty much realize that your kids hate your job because it takes you away from them. <laughs> and That's it, right. And they don't know what you do because you just sit on the phone all day, which is what I did. And, and so I just assumed that that would go on forever and they would never take an interest. Well, miraculously, about four or five years ago, maybe four years ago, my son had injured himself in a climbing accident and, and was kind of in recovery. I needed help working on a project because I had this really big client and I had too much to do. And so I said, hey, do you want to help me do some of this stuff just because I really could use some help? And he said, sure. And so I I gave him this project and it turns out he was amazingly talented at what we do, amazingly talented. And then my daughter came on board to learn from you because you were working with us uh, in mm -hmm. operations and she is really into the operational side of things and considers you the best mentor on the planet. And, uh, and so she became our operations person. Um, and But then she started doing client work. And she's also very talented at both operations and and that. So anyway, I, I had this great surprise as, a, as an older adult that, oh, my gosh, my kids, A, they know what I do. B, they can do it. And C, they want to do it with me. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. I mean, it's so interesting because, like, well, one, let me let me tell you, your kids are amazing. They're astoundingly talented. They have an unbelievable amount of talent and skill and, and passion and, and all those all those things that like are unique. Their abilities. But what really sets them apart is that they have the gumption underneath it, the things that you have to train for, right? The perseverance, the grit. And so it's a huge testament to you and your parenting, because certain things you could be naturally gifted to like do these things, right? Like, oh, I have a natural talent for writing. Like Cormix and, and McKinley are both amazing writers. They have a... Right very good knack for writing. And, and I, I'm obviously those could be trained as well, too. But some of that like rigor and grit is comes from your from your nurturing, right? You don't just learn that you get kind of groomed into that, right? And so yeah, I, it's a huge testament. And that's a great question is where does that stuff come from? To be honest with you, I don't really know the biggest philosophy that we had in our in our parenting is really the, the notion that you should Bring your children into your family, not carve your family out around your children. So there are a lot of parenting situations, a lot of families that decide that the kid is the focal point and they do everything for the kid. And it's all about the kid. Our growing up was all about our family life and the kids became part of it. So a big part of our family life was flying. So our kids are both pilots, not because they wanted to be, but because we told them they were going to be. <laughs> Mm. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like a strict you must do this it was just an understanding that you will become a pilot just like it's an understanding that you'll go to college it's an understanding that you'll be a good person there was a lot of these underlying values i guess you would say that were just we just 
there wasn't even an option for the kids. Like it just was it wasn't an option. And so, you know, while my son played a lot of soccer and my daughter rode horses, and so those things were activities that they wanted to do, and we we pursued those with them. But as a family, we kind of gathered around mostly the, the flying community and the and the flying stuff. And so they got to do their own thing as well as participating in the family stuff. I'm genuinely in the moment having these heated debates with my wife about this concept because I desperately want our kids to be musicians and she desperately wants them to be outdoorsy and athletic. Right. And so like, it's like, can we do both? And obviously we can do both, but then it like adds up. Right. Cause like just the other day she was saying, well, now you're saying that they're going to go swim class. They're going to do ballet. They're going to do soccer. They're going to do piano. (laughs) That's already five things. There's like seven days in a week. Like when are they going to just be kids? And it's like, I guess we have to choose this thing. And, yeah. Secretly, I want them to be musicians and sing with me, right? I, that's like my dream is like, and then how much do you enforce that or manipulate that, I guess? And how much of that do you let them explore? It's like a huge conundrum. And, and it sounds so interesting because you just said, this is who we are. And there's these things that we just do. And they just kind of grew up assuming it. Yeah. And if you create that environment, then that kind of becomes the environment. And so now I'm like, not entirely sure what I'm taking away from this, but now I definitely want to make sure they play piano because that's just what we do. <laughs> well, I, I think that's true because they they don't know. I, little kids don't know what they want to do. Like one yeah. day they want to eat candy bars and the next day they want to play soccer and the next day they want to watch TV. I mean, they, they'll do a million things, right? They don't know what they want to do. So you, you kind of have to give them a structure and say, this is what every Tuesday night, this is what we're doing. And if it gets to the point where it's completely intolerable to you that you can't handle it, then then that's a different story. But if you make it fun, I mean, making it fun is the whole thing. You know, this band that our family started, right? Yeah, I love it. Uh, during the pandemic, we started a band and Cormac happens to be a very talented musician. So that's awesome. But McKinley's been playing the drums and I've been playing a little keyboard and a little trumpet. And we've created this band that we play on. We get together with my brother-in-law and we play on the back of our of our boat here and Rand picked up the bass. And so we, we're actually kind of making music and it's, and it's fun. We do it for fun. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I definitely look at, I look at you and your family as, uh, you know, as like a goalpost for me, right? Figured out a way to be successful in business and have a very successful career and illustrious career with both money, fame and accomplishments, all the, the trifecta of success, right? What we societally qualify as success. But you've also done it with your family intact. And you've always chosen to do that intentionally. And in a lot of, I mean, I didn't know that they didn't always work for you. I've always known you with them intact. So I've only seen them with you as part of the business. But it never really occurred to me to merge the two things. It's always been a contention of time. Do I spend time with my kids or do I spend time on growing my career? And it was always polarizing until I met you. And I'm not saying that I can do what you do, but I definitely appreciate the fact that it's a novel way of approaching this problem that a lot of parents face. So I talk to other successful parents and and societally successful at work, right? It's always this contention of like, where do I put my time? I have, you know, 40 hours in a week or I have like 80 hours in a week or whatever. And and they have to divide it between their family. That's what I did before you met us. That was, that was the situation. My kids were adults before they came to work. I mean, serious adults before they came to work with me. Like they didn't grow up working with me. We didn't have them working in the office over the summer or any of that stuff. Yeah. But I think that the real, the real secret for me anyway, is that my husband Rand is amazing. And he, 
we made a decision early on in our kids growing up because because he had a big career at a startup. Well, first he was he was not at a startup. He was at a very big company. He was a vice president of research and development. And then he got into a startup. So he was like working a million hours a week. I had my own startup. I was working a million hours a week. And we started to notice cracks in our in McKinley's behavior. <laughs> and mm. it was a big warning sign, right? Like big, not only just the behavior, but her emotional well-being was starting to crack. And so we did a whole bunch of things to figure out what was going on here. And and really, at the end of the day, what we figured out is that we were we were never with her. <laughs> and it turns out oh kids, kids need a parent, right? So we made a bunch of changes in our life, a bunch. Rand quit his whole career and stayed home with the children. We ended up, uh, I stopped doing the international travel that I was doing. We decided to have breakfast and dinner together as a family every single day. And this all happened when Mickey was probably seven, seven or eight years old. And literally within two weeks, she became a different person. It was a, it was wow. unbelievable the change. So you can you can fix little mistakes that you make, but we all make mistakes. But we we looked at the warning signs and and addressed it. Wow, I'm learning so much right now. This is amazing. Yeah. You wanted some research, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's how it happened. Yes. Yeah. So so, so that was a very intentional and crafted and strategic decision you guys made as parents yes yeah absolutely because you guys mapped it out yeah because we were both over over our ears in uh in our careers and we had these two children and uh and one was very tiny Cormac was probably only three at the time but but it was obvious that that things were not going well and so instead of letting that continue i mean we had two two Nannies and a housekeeper. We had all the all the the things you you think you need, right? But nannies raising your children is not the same as you raising your ch- your children, right? They they are they will never be you. So anyway, when we started to see these things happening, we we really stopped, <laughs> and we figured out what was going on, determined what it was, and made drastic changes to our lifestyle in order to accommodate the fact that we actually were parents. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't. Yeah, that's really cool, too. And I, I've been like talking to Amy a lot about this as well. Right. It's like finding more time and like, do we hire help and to, to accommodate the growth of your career? Because like it seems to always come down to like sacrificing because we all have the we, it doesn't matter how smart you are. We all have the constraint of time. Yep. We have this constraint of time. So it's like, how do you want to allocate that time? And then what's the right balance that you need to strike? Because Certain things I, I believe in outsourcing, right? Like that's actually really helpful. Like if you can outsource it, like we we have never hired a nanny, but I, I would love to explore that option because there's a part of me that wonders, like, could we even be more successful if we had more time? And then what is the cost benefit of that? It's like a really interesting thing that you went down that road and then you you saw different things that you couldn't address and yeah. you, you corrected it because it wasn't worth it. So did you keep just just out of just out of curiosity? Did you keep the nanny and then also spend more time, or did you guys do a hard switch? We kept one of the nannies, so we got rid of one of them, kept one, and then and kept the person to clean the house because that was that really is an outsourceable thing. Totally, yeah, <laughs> Outsour- uh, yeah. Outsourcing a par- parenting is is really that's not what you're doing. You're just outsourcing babysitting. So we kept we kept a one to you know to take the kids to events and things like that but but Rand Rand really became a he was became a stay-at-home dad and so he yeah taking care of the kids and then we you know over after a year or two we ended up getting rid of that nanny as well 
So we only really kept the nanny for another year or two after after Rand quit his job. This is like really great. So I have like a million ways to slice this, but I'll just ask you more of a root cause kind of questioning here because we're kind of like peppering around it. How do you qualify successful parenting? What do you what do you think a successful parent is? Well, I don't think you know and if, if you've been successful until your kids are grown up. But if you if you can create a human being that is confident, independent, a pleasure to be around, a good friend, caring, those are the things you're looking for. But you don't know if you get there till till they're <laughs> till they're older. You know, it's so funny. I know this. We went through this thing too. Our this whole question about what school should your kids go to, right? That's the big question that parents face, and they sign up for some of these fancy schools before the kids are even born. You know, and and they they're like this trajectory to go to Harvard or something like that. Well, I can tell you, our kids went to a really fancy school, really fancy private elementary school. And we thought, you know, it's the best school around. They should go to that school. Doesn't matter what it costs. Doesn't matter anything. Well, it turns out it wasn't the best school for one of our kids. It it wasn't the best school for her, McKinley. It was it was a great school for Cormac, but not a great school for McKinley. And so. But you don't know this till they're out of it and done with it. <laughs> yeah. So it's it just takes time. It's like baking a very long cake. So <laughs> <laughs> what you have till it comes out of the oven. <laughs> that's that's a really that's a really sage answer. It's kind of like it goes back to the whole adage of the older you get, the less you the the more you realize, the less you know, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because it sounds like you've probably gone through many iterations of qualifying success as a parent, and then you come to the conclusion over many years of like, hey, you just you just have to try your best and and see what comes out at the end, and, and that's how you judge it on it, right? Yeah. Like, there's no markers in the middle. Like, you just do what you can and like kind of do the best that you can with what you have. It's really all about being there for your kids, right? Being there for their emotional needs, their physical needs, their health and safety needs, and just being obvious to them that you're there. And I know you are there for your kids. You are more there than most dads are for their kids. (laughs) Well, thanks for saying that. Yeah, I, I definitely try to do that, right? I try to be there for them as much as I can be and, and, and try to like teach them the, the values that I want them to have. The problem I have is I also heard this, like I was listening to this podcast with Tim Grover on it. Have you ever heard of Tim Grover? No, I don't know. He wrote, he wrote this book called Relentless, but he was like the coach for Michael Jordan and Kobe oh, Bryant. Okay, yeah. yeah. So some pretty high performance athletes. Right. And he, he made this comment about one aspect of the podcast was about uh, parenting. It was really interesting because he said, I, told my kid, you know, she said, I, what do you, you know, she was emotional. She was upset. She said, I just want more time with you. And I, and he said, most dads would have folded. They would have melted and folded and said, right. yeah, I need to make some changes and like be there for them. But he said, what is that sending? What message am I sending to my kid by doing that? I want her to grow up knowing that I am going to win. I'm going to go and go achieve great things. And that's worth her knowing that, knowing that I'm sacrificing this valuable time to go. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's like, it sounds terrible. But then I'm like sitting there thinking about it all day long and just like marinating on this concept of like, it's just a choice. I actually don't judge him for making that decision. At first I had a lot of judgment, you know? And then I'm like, maybe as I get older and wiser, I'll realize that I have less judgment. Cause I'm like imagining my kids at 20 years old going like, 
oh, they, they didn't have the gumption to go sacrifice something to go do something bigger because I was always there. I don't know. And what do you think about this? Is this like a crazy concept? Because it sounds really extreme, but I, I, I can't like wrestle. I can't like grapple and like figure out how to like put this in my mind. Well, I don't think it's such a digital thing, though. The, the, the issue is you can't be like a leech on your child's life so that they're, you're always there for them. Like you're every time they trip and fall there, you're right there behind them to catch them. Every time they need a dollar, you're right there to give it to them. That's not what I mean when I say being there for your, your kids. And there's a, there's an in-between state, right? Your kids have to know that you have to do things that, that are for you and, and for your, well, the health and safety of your family, you know, you have to do things, but I don't think that First of all, I don't think children understand the concept of success at all. I don't think they understand that till they're well into their 20s. They don't even know mm. what that is. And success is many things, right? I mean, now that I'm 64 years old, and today success for me is the fact that I'm, I'm healthy and I have a happy family that is still intact. That's my success, right? Yeah. It's different. It's different at different ages. So very difficult to show a child success is, you know even with their grades and even with schoolwork, right? So they, they do something, let's say they get, an, they get a B on it and they come home and you say, why wasn't that an A, right? Well, maybe to them, that was as successful as it could have been, right? It's just, it's everything is a judgment call. I think it's very difficult to, to really be so granular about it and so digital about it. Oh man, I love it. You're like giving me permission to... To not to not stress out so much about the right the right mix and the right amount, right? I think it's also important for everyone to know that like I do know your kids, and I will tell you right now, both your kids are also very very ambitious. So, I mean, Cormac's insanely ambitious, yeah. uh, and so it's not that he doesn't know that. So even when you say like, "Hey, I, I was there for them," it's not like you didn't instill upon them this level of ambition and kind of like drive because they're both very very ambitious. The way that you raise your kids through the environment can lead to that level of ambition and understanding. And, and I think that there's this kind of like, uh, for me, the struggle between like, what's the right amount of parenting versus teaching versus like environment, you know, environment creating. And, and I'm probably just worrying too much. That's probably what it is. I'm, yeah, I'm probably just sitting here like stressing out about something that they're probably not even thinking about, you know? Sure, they're not thinking about it. But, you know, you, you, do, you do think about it because you're, you're constantly questioning, you know, did I do the right thing there? Did I not do the right thing? It's hard. It's very, it's difficult to know. But I think as you watch your kids make decisions, that's kind of, those are the clues, right? Those are the clues that you have as to, as to whether or not you're, you're doing well. <laughs> what are the decisions? Well, who are the friends they're hanging around with, right? Yeah. And this is, this is going to be an issue you're going to run into with your girls when they get older. They're going to make friends with people you don't like and you don't want them to be with. And friends are very, very, very influential to kids. So you want to do your best to navigate that in such a way that you're not forcing them not to spend time with those kids, with those friends, but that you are encouraging them to think more strategically about who the friends are that they're hanging around with. It needs to be their decision. That's a really good way to think about it. It's like goes back to the classic thing of like nature versus nurture and it's all of that stuff. And maybe I just need to like, kind of like relax on the expectations I have for myself on like how to be perfect for this situation and, and just kind of like yeah. lean into the fact that I'm there. But I wrestle with it because like, there's things that I do that I know that are going to be really bad for my kids. Like 
and I can't stop it. And I try myself so hard to stop. When my kids want something, I just like want to give it to them. Yeah. And like Amy's like, Amy tells me all the time. She's like, you're, I have like three kids. You're like another kid, you know, like I'm like the only parent that actually creates boundaries and rules. And I'm, and I'm not entirely sure if it's bad, but I'm pretty sure it's bad. Right. Because there's like, you know, some things that are going to be good from that, right. Knowing that they can always come to me, that I'll always listen, that I'll always be there for them or give them what they want or like help them at least try to get what they want or talk them through it or whatever that may be. But there's also bad things with that, right? Because there's like the boundaries, the perseverance, the other stuff that may come with that. And so I just got to like temper that with what I, what I want out of this relationship. Yeah. And, and then to talk about what you said about the influence of your friends, my mom always said this. She always said this to me and it didn't actually resonate with me until I was 40 years old, like literally wow. last year. Because she always said she wasn't as nice and diplomatic as you you were or you were you're saying about this situation she literally told me when she didn't like someone that i hung out with and she told me explicitly why she didn't like them and oh you did that too okay yeah okay good good okay cool so and and now i realize that the reason behind it is that our human brains are wired to basically be the sum of the average of the sum if you hang around with right artists you will start becoming an artist. Right. If you yeah. associate yourself and you continually associate yourself with business people, you will become a business person. Yeah. Like our human brains are very resilient, is I think is the right word, but like yeah. we have malleable. adapting con- malleable. That's some, thank malleable. you. Malleable. That's thank what we are, yes. And thank you, Andy. That's if your kid is hanging around with a bunch of, you know, drug dealers, it's highly likely they're gonna get involved in that industry so to speak right that's right Right? that's exactly it yeah and so it's like it's so funny because my mom has been saying that to me forever hang out with who you want to be like hang out with who you want to be like and and it's like and i just like you're absolutely right it's you're so influenced and you can't see it when you're younger and you probably don't even see it through your 20s and 30s to be honest and maybe i should yeah, now it makes me want to go call McKinley and Cormac, your kids, and tell them, like, this lesson right now. And be like, be intentional about who you hang out with. Because if I can go back, even in my 20s and 30s, it's still applicable, right? Because now yeah. in my 40s, I'm sitting here going, I got to be more intentional about, about, like, who I associate myself with. Because there's so little time that I'm socializing with other people. Yeah. Because all my time is work, kids. Yeah. And now my time to spend with socializing is so small that it's even more important that I associate with people that I want to be like. Yeah, exactly. And to make sure that your kids are doing the same thing. I mean, just to give you another story about McKinley. I feel bad here talking about her when she's not around, but this is, a, <laughs> but there was a big moment of pride that I had with her with, with this. So we, we had moved away from the Bay Area for four years. We lived up in the country, up right outside of Yosemite. We were in a very small town, which was, of course, very charming on the outside. But under the covers of this small town, there was a lot of the, a lot of the bad stuff that happens in small towns. No education lots of drugs, lots of single parents, lots of parents that, that lost responsibility to take care of their children. And those kids mm. were living with their grandparents, a lot of poverty, a lot of these things that were going on. And so she was in the local public school. So she's hanging around with a lot of these kids that there were a few of them who were amazing kids. And they were, they were amazing over overcoming the issues of their environment. But there was a handful of them that were not. And she was hanging around with these people more than we would like. 
But what could we do? There were no other kids up there, right? That yeah. was the situation. And I kept saying, let's move back to Palo Alto. I'd like to move back to Palo Alto because that's where you're going to get direction about education and all, all of these things. And I said it, I've been I said it to her for over two, three years, right? And all the, every single time, no, mom, I, we love it up here. I love it up here. Rand loves it up here. We, we're going to keep doing this. One day, she, we, she asked me if we could go to dinner together. We went out for dinner and she says to me, mom, I want to move back to Palo Alto. And I'm like, what? And she mm. said, I'm not happy with the direction that my life is taking up here with these people. And I think if I were hanging around with different people, it would change my feeling about that. And I'm like, oh, my God, what a moment of pride I had for her. That it's like she made that decision on her own. I didn't force her to come to Palo Alto. I encouraged her, but I didn't force it. And then she came to the conclusion. And her little analogy at the time was all my friends are on this one highway going to this one direction. And I've decided I want to get off that highway and go a different direction. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. amazing. Yeah, it really was. So I think if you try to force kids to do things, they just get angry, right? If, if I said, family, we're up and moving back to Palo Alto, she would not have been happy with that solution. But the way it, that it turned out, she got to experience the negative stuff and then made the decision on her own. Yeah. And so she wound up with an amazing group of friends in Palo Alto that she's still friends with today. And these are not the wealthy kids of Palo Alto. The, the fr- people that she chose to hang out with are normal people from normal families. And they're her best friends today. And they're wonderful human beings. I love every one of them. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. And, and she's great. I mean, you know how much I love your, your daughter. She's like she, by she, far one of my top favorite people in the world. Yeah. So like I, I absolutely adore the adult that she's become and all the things. That, it's, it's just hilarious actually talking about her childhood, to be honest with you. But yeah, it's really funny. I have to have her on the show. She wants to come on after this because I told her I was interviewing you about this. And she's like, can you interview me so I can do my side of the story? And I'm like, yeah. So actually really a great thing to do. That would be yeah. Fun. So you'll see, you'll see that coming up soon here. I'm going to, um, cause I know we're out of time here. So let me, let me rapid fire my, uh, my okay. closing questions here, if that's okay. What advice do you have for other parents and soon to be parents? Every child is different. You can't treat every child exactly the same. Great. I love that. If you could go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids, what would it be? Oh boy. I think it would be you got to spend time with your kids. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Everybody wants to have everything, right? And I wanted everything too, but I just, you know, launched into my life thinking I could have everything and and it, then we had these issues and we had to deal with them. So, you know, it would have been great if I didn't have those issues, but having those issues I learned a lot from it. So, <laughs> there you go. All right. What is your all-time favorite business book? Well, of course, my book. <laughs> is my There book. we go. <laughs> Which is called Get to Aha for everybody who wants to learn about marketing and positioning. But other than that, really, I, I have to say that my favorite book is Blue Ocean Strategy, because it's a book about developing new ideas in new markets. And I just love I just love it. Yeah. And Andy, I'll link both of them in the, in the okay. YouTube channel as well, because it is a really good book. I love I love your Get to Aha book. And I've, I like, literally have changed so many, so many of my business philosophies because of that book. What is the most surprising thing that you have learned about yourself um, being a parent? Let's see, that, that I actually can have a great relationship with my kids. See, I didn't have a great relationship with my parents. So wow. I now know that I'm now that I'm the age I am and my kids are the age they are. 
wow, I, I have a great relationship with my kids and I'm super proud of that. And I, did, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know that was even possible. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much, Andy. That was really, really great. I know I'm like a minute over on your time and uh, Richard was very clear that you had a tight schedule today. So I appreciate you uh, spending an extra minute here to talk to me about your life and your uh, children and parenting. So much fun, Young. I love this podcast. This is a great idea. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I really appreciate your support, Andy, and I'll, I'll be sure to share it with you as soon as it comes out. Please do, definitely. And and you are you are a great parent. I can. Tell. Oh, thank you for saying that. I appreciate the cheerleading as I as I go on this journey. <laughs> thank you, Andy. All right. Thank you, Young. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Girl Dad Show. We really hope you enjoyed that interview. And as always, please take a moment to review, rate, and subscribe. We'll see you next time.